Hello everyone, you're listening to the Climate Bonds Cafe, the show where we give you a rundown of the topical news concerning green finance. Whether you're an expert or just dipping in your toes, we'll do our very best to bring you along for the ride. Today on the menu, we're serving up chat on the Green Bonds Pricing Report. And yes, that was a very clunky cafe-based metaphor. Sorry about that. Broadly speaking, the report shows green bonds have a strong following of investors, but to give us a better flavour of the specifics, we sit down with Caroline Harrison, Climate Bonds' Head of Market Intelligence Research. I want to know what this sample study can tell us about green bond pricing and why investors are getting so excited about them. Okay, hello, welcome, uh, Caroline. Welcome to the Climate Bonds Cafe. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good, good to have you here. Good to, good for you to join us. Um, we are recording uh, in the sort of middle of the afternoon. I can kind of tell I'm at that stage of my life now. I've called this the Climate Bonds Cafe, but I've done that thing of having a coffee early afternoon, and I can already tell that was that was a bad call. So I'm quite glad this wasn't an actual cafe where somebody kept topping me up with caffeine. But hopefully you've got a, a nice a nice drink and you and you're ready to go. Hopefully. Thank you. I've got a cup of tea and I'm all ready for you, Barney. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. We're we're sat down in the cafe to discuss the climate bonds report around green bond pricing. So, I mean, first of all, I imagine in your role, that's been a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of lot of sleepless nights, which is even cooler that you're here with us. But it's a groundbreaking report. And I know there's been a lot of lot of excitement around it. I think very justifiable excitement. But I guess just as a starting point, we we often, I think, fall into the trap of uh, and we forget that so much of the work we're doing at Climate Bonds is is appealing to people with kind of skin in the game. But why should everybody else be getting excited about this? I mean, I mean, should they? First of all, let's let's start with that. Well, we in the research team at Climate Bonds try to think of how we can encourage more issuers to come and join the green bond market. Um, Our work over the years on green bond pricing has demonstrated quite clearly that there are enough investors um, in the market already because otherwise there wouldn't be a pricing benefit for issuers. Um, So we see uh, that there is uh, a shortage of supply of green bonds in the primary market and that is why we have continued this work. So... Um, basically what we try to do is highlight to issuers some of the benefits of issuing green bonds Uh, and I think the work that we have done on this paper and the bonds that we've looked at um, and the results that we found um, should definitely be interesting to all uh, corporate treasurers who are interested in raising money in the capital markets because what we've demonstrated is that you know Uh, green bonds consistently have attracted uh, higher interest in the primary market compared to vanilla equivalents uh, and that enables uh, greater spread compression in the primary market compared to vanilla equivalents and as we have uh, described in the report this can lead to pricing benefits so that means that as a treasurer if you issue a green bond you have a higher chance of achieving um, what we call a greenium, which means cheaper financing for your borrowing. Okay, well, I like, first of all, that 
the answer to should everyone be getting excited about this uh, you know the answer was in in brief yes i think if you just said no straight away i mean it just might have been a bit of a shorter podcast um but i just wanted i want to touch on something you've you've brought up there because i mean just we'll come on to some specifics of this but i mean this is just a very general point uh, i mean according to the report so yeah as you say all I think all bond labels, so including green, social, sustainability, linked and, and transition bonds are offering, as you say, pricing benefits compared to their vanilla equivalents, if you like. But I just want to kind of strip it back just for a minute, if I can. So, I mean, you know, green, vanilla, transition, it, it, it's a bit of a minefield, I think, for, for laymen. So, I mean, just what does, what does it all mean broadly, this report? Explain it to me like I'm 10 years old. That's an interesting question. So the funds raised through issuing green bonds are used for uh, environmental projects, expenditures uh, and activities. The funds raised through the issuance of social bonds are used for social activities, expenditures and projects. And the funds used uh, through... The funds raised through issuing sustainability bonds um, can be used for a mixture of social and uh, green projects and activities. So those three types of bonds are what we call use of proceeds bonds. Now, there's a fourth uh, type of uh, bond that was introduced a few years ago, which is the sustainability-linked bond. And that is a bond whose proceeds can be used for anything at all but the coupon payment on the bond is linked to the achievement of specific uh, environmental or social objectives set out in uh, the bonds prospectus. Okay, okay. I mean, ultimately, we can we can crunch the data and we can discuss kind of specific peaks and troughs. Because I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, the the sort of analysed numbers from this report backdated to, to about 2017. But the theme, a general theme I'm sensing, is a, a growing appetite from investors to explore green bond options. Is that is that fair? Well, the report clearly demonstrates a pricing benefit for green bond issuers. Um, and we believe that that is indeed driven by an increased and increasing investor appetite. Yes. And I mean, Kind of market intelligence is very much your your kind of bread and butter. You've probably sort of forgotten more things than I I know about this kind of particular side of of things. In terms of this report, were there any areas you found particularly surprising, or any sectors you've noticed a particularly encouraging increase in in support? One of the things that was really interesting, one of the one of the more interesting findings from this report, rather, was um, that issuers told us repeatedly that they felt that the green label um, had really helped to support getting their bond sort of over the line or getting the deal done. So in the second half of last year, the markets were very, very volatile. And there were lots of reports of, um, you know, bonds being taken off the table at the last minute and not being issued at all. Uh, there were some periods of up to a week where there was no bond issuance. Um, so, you know, issuers were being very, very cautious and and, and, and very careful with the timing um, of issuing 
their green bonds because they felt like they wanted to make sure that there was adequate appetite there from investors. So what green bond issuers said was that uh, the, the label provided um, extra interest, if you like, from investors, that the label attracted extra interest from investors. And that interest is what helped to get the deal done or get the deal over the line during those volatile times. So one data point that we track in the report is uh, the percentage of each deal that is allocated to investors with a green or socially responsible uh, investment mandate. And we noticed um, from the responses that we received to that question this time that a greater number um, a greater number of uh, investors claiming to be green or socially responsible were involved in each deal. So a higher percentage of deals on average was allocated to green investors than we had previously seen. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I want to kind of come on to some sort of specific highlights, if you like, of the report, if that's that's the right word. Um, You've touched on this a little bit already, but um, just for a little bit of context for people listening. So I want to talk about some of this collaboration work uh, that's been done with the University of Texas. Um, so it's it's a small sample uh, as, a, as a caveat looking into the sort of pricing side of things. But the early signs are that kind of bonds with green social sustainability links did achieve better pricing than bonds without this kind of thematic label, if you like, at least during the period of studies. I mean, what else can you tell us about that because I mean that seems provisionally very encouraging. Correct it is very encouraging so historically we have um, looked at the yield curves of green bonds in our sample only and we've given uh, a sort of outright the bond either achieves a greenium or it doesn't and that's the end. What we noticed at the beginning of 2022 was that fewer bonds were pricing inside their yield curves, fewer green bonds. So we suspected that because the pricing dynamics in the primary market had remained strong, what was happening was that green bonds potentially were pricing outside their yield curves, but they were still pricing closer to their yield curves than they would have if they didn't have the green label on them. The only way to prove that was to look at the yield curves of all bonds issued uh, in the second half of 2022, which is what we did. So we built hundreds of yield curves for green, uh, green, social, sustainability, sustainability-linked and vanilla bonds issued uh, in the second half of 2022, meeting, you know, the, the requirements of minimum size, etc., and uh, we compared them. So we matched each label bond with a vanilla bond sharing similar characteristics and we looked at how far each one priced away from its yield curves. Uh, Now what the University of Texas in San Antonio found uh, when looking at the data and doing the pair matching was that the label bonds tended indeed to price closer to the yield curves compared to their matched pairs. Uh, So that was very encouraging. Um, And we found uh, that that held true for all 
categories of bonds that we looked at. So we looked at green bonds, social bonds, sustainability and sustainability linked. We compared each bond to a vanilla bond. Bonds in all categories, on average, priced closer to their yield curves than their vanilla pairs. Fantastic. Shout out University of Texas. I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm allowed to do shout outs, but I'm, I'm going ahead. Nobody's kind of stopped me so far. Um, I'm not sure if, if you're able to sort of answer this, and, and if not, that's that's absolutely fine. I mean, was there a was there a particular emphasis on on wanting this collaboration specifically with the University of Texas? I mean, I ask because from from my end anyway, it seems like obviously the US market's this key player. Historically, big changes there have kind of had permutations the world over. I think there's this idea kind of America sneezes and the rest of the world gets a cold. But I mean. Was there an interest on, on managing trends with with an American focus or did the University of Texas just happen to be a, a very good fit for this kind of collaboration study? Well, broadly speaking, I'm going to say that the dollar-denominated green market uh, has definitely lagged the market in Europe. So in Europe, obviously, the climate agenda uh, is much more developed Uh, and has had much more policy support compared to in the US. What we've seen is that a much greater number of green bonds uh, are issued in the euro currency compared to the US dollar. So what we want to do is take any opportunity that we can to increase the profile of green bonds in the US. We want to encourage uh, more domestic American issuers to come to the market with green bonds uh, and use those proceeds for activities uh, that can help and protect uh, the environment. So I was moderating uh, a panel on which representatives of the University of Texas in San Antonio uh, were participating and presenting a study uh, that they had done on SLB pricing. Um, So afterwards, I contacted them and asked them whether they would be interested in collaborating uh, on this report. And they said that they would. So I was really, really happy with that. Yeah, really happy with that collaboration. Rightly so. That's fantastic. Um, There was also a a palpable, I guess, noticeable shift from the auto industry. So again, for anyone listening who's not sort of aware of of some of these highlights, so allocations for Audi, Renault, VW, I think they reached 80% of green investors and a lot of issuers attributed the success of these deals to them having this kind of green label. My question is, could a seismic change from the auto industry be a turning point for average members of the public? Because it is well documented now that electric vehicles are something of a commodity price-wise. Well, Historically, the green bond market has been composed mainly of bonds uh, issued by real estate companies, banks and utilities. So those are the largest sectors, if you like, in the green bond market. Um, Therefore, it's very difficult for a green bond investor to build a diversified portfolio of green bonds. And uh, diversification, broadly speaking, is... Uh, what minimises or or something that contributes to minimising risks. So it's very important for investors to be able to include bonds from a range of sectors that behave differently under different economic circumstances. Um, And we've noticed that whenever uh, issuers from other sectors 
including but not limited to autos, bring bonds to the market, they tend to do very well because investors want to buy bonds uh, from from issuers that are different. Um, and obviously, the adequate sort of strong green credentials uh, have to be there to support to support those deals. But broadly speaking, you know, if, if an auto issuer comes to the market uh, with a green bond that has good green credentials, it will definitely attract uh, high interest from investors based on what we've seen so far you know um and and this is something that we noticed in the second half of last year we noticed that there were sort of a few uh auto or auto industry issuers um in the mix and that they had all done particularly well and attracted uh, a very high level of interest uh from the green investment community yeah I'm glad you mentioned the the kind of net positive assets from from the second half of what was a really really tough year last year. Um, I want to come on to a bit of a, a pet peeve of mine. It's lots and lots of acronyms. So the first part of my question is for the listeners: What are ETFs? An ETF is an exchange exchange traded fund. So as an investor, uh, you buy an ETF, and it's a single transaction, and that transaction will give you exposure to a number of different securities at once. Uh, and those securities are bought by the manager to reflect the composition of an underlying index. Okay, okay. Uh, just with that in mind then, what could be the future significance of green bond pricing dynamics with, with all that considered? ETF investors can only buy green bonds in the secondary market, more or less, because uh, they need to first ensure that the green bond that they're buying is going to be included in the underlying index uh, that their fund is modelled around. Um, so essentially, ETFs, uh, ETF volumes, if you like, just contribute a source of demand for green bonds in the secondary market and help to keep price is buoyant and and contribute uh you know to the interest if you like of green bonds in the secondary market okay and then just finally if we take as a target i think a, a well publicized target i think it's fair to say the five trillion us dollars of annual investment that's needed by 2025 to avert climate catastrophe i don't, I don't think it's too contentious to say that from your end when a report like this is published when it comes out and there's clearly been lots and lots of work behind the scenes. How do you kind of pick up the, the baton and say, this is what we know and this is what we're going to do? Or I'm just going to really simplify the question and say, from your end, what's the next steps? Well, we encourage uh, all types of issuers, really, to come to the market and issue green bonds. You know, uh, what we have found from talking to issuers, in fact, is that the activity of issuing the green bond and going through the, the process of preparing for that helps to actually <clears throat> galvanise the sustainability strategy uh, of the entity itself. And in doing that, often what entities say is that a result of issuing the green bond is that they tend to prioritise in future green investment over other types of investment which 
you know, will then give them sort of more assets that they can then uh, finance in the green bond market. And so that cycle uh, continues. And just as a a fi- finally, finally question, because we've been we've been talking a lot and as I say, there's clearly been so much work that's gone into something like this. So is there anything else that you'd like to, to tell the listeners? Anything that's really excited you? And uh, is there anything that we didn't cover just on a really simple level that you'd like to, to chat about? Um, you know, in buoyant times, we can clearly see uh, and, and what this work demonstrates is that, that there is appetite for green bonds. There is unmet appetite from investors. And that plays out in primary market pricing dynamics, where green bonds uh, typically tend to attract uh, more interest from investors in the primary market, uh, which can subsequently lead to uh, greater spread compression uh, and possibly a greenium. And then we see that in the immediate secondary market, green bonds also tighten more aggressively uh, than vanilla equivalents after both seven and 28 days. And you know what this re- research demonstrates and what this research has continued really to demonstrate since 2017 is that more issuers need to come to the market uh, with green bonds because there is increasing investor appetite uh, for those deals. This isn't a question per se, but I just love the term greenium. I just think it's fantastic. It was one of those things that I was never given an exact dictionary definition of, but it sounds really cool. And you, as soon as you hear it, you know exactly what it applies to. So um, that's uh, that's not so much a question, but I'd, I'd just feel bad if I didn't mention it to you while I've, while I've got you here. Uh, Caroline, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Barney. It's been a pleasure. Caroline Harrison in the cafe to chat about green bond pricing, market trends and investor enthusiasm. When I read the report, the thing that seemed very promising was the fact that a lot of investors let us know that the green aspect of the deal helped get it over the line. There's a great sign of things to come and some encouraging insights for climate bonds to jump on that momentum. If you go to www.climatebonds.net, you'll find more information on this report, including some of the highlights, sample information, and key figures. We've also got this and a lot more on our social media channels, if you just search at Climate Bonds, or search us on Spotify for all episodes of the Climate Bonds Cafe and other great podcasts we're working on. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you soon.